Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father in heaven, as we gather for worship this day, we are thankful for the gift of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Came into this world to suffer and die in order to free us from sin, death, the power of the, the devil working in this world. Father, we pray that in this week as we observe the the independence of our nation and the freedom that has been fought for and maintained for well over 200 years, that you would keep us mindful of the true freedom that we have in Christ our Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen. When I was pretty young, I always looked forward to the 4th of July. And I looked forward to it because it was when we all gathered as family, the cousins, the aunts, the uncles, and, and we gathered together at my grandparents' place and we just had a great time of fun and picnics and food and just running around and getting into trouble. I didn't really understand what the 4th of July was truly all about until I was a little older. I began to pay attention in school and to learn the history of our nation and what it, what it meant to be free. Up until then, it was something I took for granted. And then I started talking to some of my uncles who were veterans. I began to understand the price that some of them had paid for our freedom. I was thinking about that. The rest of the world is its kind of like that that ignorant child that I was. We celebrate the holidays, Christmas and Easter is kind of a secular way even in our culture, but we don't really understand what they're all about. We don't understand that our true freedom comes from a Savior who busted the, the chains of our our slavery to sin and to this world on a cross where he shed his blood and he died for us. We gloss over the fact that he, he rose from the dead as a reminder that death has no hold over him and that we, like him one day, will rise to new life. Paul reminds us today in his letter to the Galatians. He says, in freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. 
I was looking through pictures for yolks. I picked this one because it's still relatively mild. It looks like the yoke that oxen would wear. But if you really start searching for yokes of slavery, the pictures are a little too gruesome, graphic to put up. Iron rings put around your neck, some of them with spokes going out so that they could hang weights and buckets on you to carry. Some of them so that they could tie a chain around you and chain it to your ankles or your wrists. None pleasant. That's what sin is. To ignore the teachings of God, to ignore what it's all about, to somehow not fully grasp what Christ did on the cross is to put ourselves back under the yoke of slavery to sin. It is to live by those works of the flesh that St. Paul describes in Galatians, that litany of lists where we go, I don't want to be that, but when we look around the world, we say the world is that. And even some Christians sometimes fall into that trap of, well, you know, I could live any way I want to because I, I believe in Jesus and, and I have his forgiveness. That cheap grace that sometimes we thumb our nose at. We struggle with living life on our terms, and as Paul reminds us in that tongue twister, the good that I would do, that I find myself not doing, and that which I should not do, well, that's the sin that we fall into. Paul encourages us to live by the fruit of the Spirit. Our freedom in Christ is a freedom of understanding that Christ paid the price for our sin, that he wrote his name on our hearts and our lives, and now our hearts are bound to him. Our freedom in Christ is not a license to live the way that we want to in our sinful flesh, but rather a reminder that we have a Savior who shed his blood to maintain freedom for us. And a freedom to live as he calls us to live. It's interesting when you look at the letters of Paul that Paul often starts out his letter, I, Paul, and the most translations say, a servant of Christ Jesus. But when you look at the original language, the term is stronger than servant. It's almost to the degree of slave. It's best translated, a bond servant of Christ Jesus. 
Someone whose life is bound to Christ because Christ bought and paid for it on the cross. And that's who we are. We are bond servants of Christ. Our lives belong to him. And we live them in a way that he calls us to. Paul reminds us to live by the Spirit. And he says, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And when you start tracing that phrase through the pages of Scripture and you begin to understand what this means, it's all about a Savior who on that night in the upper room took the water and washed the feet of his disciples and said, even as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this all men will know that you're my disciples by how you love. And when we start taking a look at the whole idea of love, a word that can go right alongside that is service. It's giving of ourselves for the sake of other people. It's understanding that we are called to love people into the kingdom of God. It's how we care for others. It's that fruit of the Spirit first word, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You see, the freedom that we have is a freedom in Christ. It's a freedom to walk by the power of the Holy Spirit working in our hearts and lives. It's the freedom to, to stand up and to stand firm for the gospel in the face of a world that continually rejects it. Stand firm, therefore, we are called by Paul. To not be afraid of the world, for the world tries to drag us back in so many ways into a bondage to sin, but rather to live in the spirit of the fruit of the Spirit, to live in the freedom of Christ and to share the word of Christ with the world around us. That's what Christ says. Our gospel lesson today says it clearly, and it seems at first glance that Jesus is being somewhat insensitive when somebody says, let me go bury my father. But you've got to understand what's going on here. It's, it's the same type of thing that people will say today. Well, you know, I'll get back to church and I'll follow God uh, when I have more time on my hands. When, when it works a little bit better into my schedule or, or when I retire and my kids aren't underfoot or when they leave the house. Or, it's those excuses that get in the way. This guy's father isn't even dead yet, so he's going to go home and wait. I'll follow you, Lord. But first, let me go and say farewell. It's people who are putting the earthly needs ahead of, of the gospel. And how guilty are we at times with that? The harsh words of Jesus saying, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. 
It's the whole idea of trying to have a foot in the world and a foot in the kingdom of God, trying to have it both ways. Anybody who's ever worked on the farm knows that when you're plowing, you don't look back. Why? Because it's the same thing that happens when you're driving down the road. You wind up in the wrong lanes. Go in the wrong direction. Christ calls us to look forward. To fix our eyes on the cross and to move forward in our lives in a way that, that we have the task before us of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Of sharing the kingdom of God with those around us. And of reminding them that, that freedom is not about the, a license to sin and to live the way that we want in our lives, but rather freedom in Christ is a way to know that we are bound to what he calls us to do and to be here and for eternity. To live in the gospel is to know that you are loved. To live in the freedom of Christ is to know that you can share that love with the world. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all of our human understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the true faith of God in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.